Today on Ag News Daily. If 350 at all gets taken out, which maybe would happen on Friday with the combination of trade deal, no trade deal, USDA report. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Another Market Monday here on the Ag News Daily Podcast. Unfortunately, it's not a pleasant Market Monday, is it, Mike? No, it is. It is red everywhere, Mm -hmm. um, with the exception of uh, Kansas City wheat. Yeah. So really just to jump right into it, folks, I'm sure you've probably heard by now, unless you're living under a rock, that President Donald Trump again raised pressure on China with some tweets that he decided to send out here over the weekend. Yeah. Do you have those tweets handy, Delaney? Can you bring us up to speed on uh, what President Trump said? Let me bring. Okay. So one of them said, quote, for 10 months, China has been paying tariffs to the U.S. of 25% on $50 billion of high-tech and 10% on $200 billion of other goods. These payments are partially responsible for our great economic results. The 10% will go up to 25% on Friday. $325 billion of additional goods sent to us by China remain on tax, but will shortly, but will be shortly at a rate of 25%. The tariffs paid to the USA have had little impact on product costs, mostly borne by China. The trade deal with China continues, but too slowly as they attempt to renegotiate. No. End quote. End tweet. Wow. There we go. There we go, folks. And we are as of our recording. We haven't yet closed the markets. We'll get to Naomi Bloom here and talk after we close. But as of now, soybeans are 14 cents down. Uh, hogs are limit down pretty well. All contracts. It is not a pleasant day. Wall Street is lower. Mm-hmm. Nobody um, really on the business side of things seems to be thrilled with the idea that we are going to put more tariffs on American citizens buying goods from China. Uh, as this thing rolls forward. However, there was a ray of bright news um, on Monday or earlier today, I guess. China said that their delegation is still yep. preparing to go to the U.S. for the talks, uh, despite all of the, the Twitter uh, jabbering. Um, they do plan on sending their team over and they are understanding the, quote, relevant situation. Um, but they are still prepared to have discussions. So that is good news. Hopefully we're still going to get something done here with a trade deal and, um, you know, level the playing field, whatever it is that uh, we're going to call a win on this thing and mm-hmm. let's just get it over with. Yeah. And it's interesting, too, because we had some people last year that um, or not last year, last week that suggested as of this coming Friday, we would see a trade deal in place. And now it looks like we're going to put tariffs in place instead. So. Well, and maybe this is maybe this is the, you know, the, the slap on the bottom that uh, China needs to, to really sign something. Um, I, I'm not hasn't sure. done anything, yeah. hasn't yeah done anything to him yet. Mean, so we'll we, see. Americans are still going to pay the higher cost. It's just yeah. going to be a greater tax on us. Anytime we go to buy something that had components manufactured in China. We did see, of course, on Friday, um, jobs were raised or we were at the lo- lowest unemployment rate in like 49 years. So is that a direct relation to the tariffs? No. I don't know, but it's not. It's not. It's a sign that our economy is strengthening. And as more people go to work and as more people start earning higher paychecks, we're going to see wages increase. That's where we're at in this cycle of economic recovery. Um, we're going to see more people buying more goods from China because China is the only place, China, India, the Philippines, Vietnam, mm-hmm. that can make the 
stuff we buy at Walmart. That's it's just a function of their labor is cheap in China. That's why they can do this stuff. No, we are seeing a strong strength in hiring and in our economy because we continue to be incredible consumers as a country. We get out there and we buy stuff. We are not good at saving as a country. And when we go buy stuff, we don't necessarily look at where it's coming from, whether it's China or the U.S. or whatever. We just go and buy, 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 and that keeps our economy strong unless we hit a recession. And it also, you know, gives jobs to China, which has been a really good thing for those of us in agriculture. Mm -hmm. So far. Well, it looks like President Trump did some more tweeting here on Monday. He attacked Democrats for holding up the disaster aid package he said, quote, Puerto Rico has been given more money by Congress for hurricane disaster relief, $91 billion, than any state in the history of the U.S. I didn't fact check this. I'm not sure if that's 100% true or not. Um, but he did say, he also tweeted that the Dems don't want farmers to get any help. But sounds like he is trying to put some pressure on them to get some sort of disaster aid package through. And my goodness, that is ridiculous that it 2017, they're still trying to put a disaster aid package together for 2017. Yeah, yeah, that's the uh, the speed at which bureaucracy functions. It's slow. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes, it is. It is not. Uh, you don't get into government to get things done in a hurry. No. But speaking of things, well, actually, no, this is a, another carry forward from a very, very slow moving process that we've been talking about on the podcast since since we launched back in 2017. Which is, of course, e-logs and hours mm. of service for Livestock College. We did have another bill introduced into the House um, called the, quote, Modernizing Agricultural Transportation Act. Um, it's designed to give some more flexibility to folks hauling agricultural products. And uh, NCBA came out with a statement. Um, they said they are glad to see this. It's, it appears to be a bipartisan effort. It is being spearheaded by Colin Peterson, Democrat of Minnesota, and Greg Pence, the Republican of Indiana. And hopefully it's going to get some signatures. And maybe because it's bipartisan, it'll be one of the few things that we can make happen in Congress this year. That's that's my hope. I don't have high hopes for it yet, but I guess it's something we will also continue to watch. Gosh, Delaney, in two years, you've become such a cynic. Well, you know, it's because I didn't really ever pay attention to maybe like specific bills and things before. But now that I am, it's like, oh, my gosh, this is really so slow. Yeah, it's slow and it's all loaded with garbage. And yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, another thing that we're still waiting on, and it sounds like we might be waiting on for quite a while longer, according to Colin Peterson, House Agriculture Chairman. He said in an interview with AgriPulse over the weekend that... He's unsure if and when a new USMCA agreement will get approved, given what he's hearing from his colleagues on the Ways and Means Committee, which is, of course, responsible for the trade policy. He said, I'm being told by people on the committee on the Democratic side that they wouldn't that they would be surprised if it makes it through this Congress at all. Oh, wow. So not great news there. No. And, you know, after we just heard from uh, Undersecretary Northey that, you know, maybe we could get something done. You know, that's that's disappointing. It is disappointing. It's also disappointing too. um other statements he made that I thought were kind of disappointing because he's from Minnesota, which is still an agriculturally productive state. He said he's worried that the farm economy is going to worsen this year. 
And he said there's really little Congress can do about it, given the federal budget deficit. He said, quote, as much as I want to improve the farm bill, if we get into a really bad situation, I'm going to be hard pressed to add to the deficit to do it. You know, it's so interesting that in five years, perhaps from, say, 2012, President Obama's reelection mm-hmm. to 2018, six years, we have seen the parties completely switch on who cares about the deficit. It used to be Republicans. That was the big Tea Party running platform back in 2010 and 2012. And now here we are six years later. And uh, Colin Peterson, Democrat from Minnesota, is uh, is concerned about the deficit. And I almost am willing to guarantee that none of them are going to do anything to cut spending. And uh, yeah. parties will flip back here in a couple of years when it's politically beneficial. I suppose. I don't know. No, that's what will happen, Delaney. That's exactly what will happen. Then we'll have another deficit discussion and then nothing will get done. And then it's just oh, more of the same. It's Groundhog Day. On a very slow scale. <laughs> nice. Like the movie. Exactly like the movie. I've I'm glad you got that. It's an okay, older yeah, movie, thanks. Delaney. Good for you. Thank you. Yep. Who starred in that movie? Bill Murray. Oh, look, you are on top of your I game today, Delaney Halp. That, that is fantastic. One. Thank you. I've got just one other piece of news here, ag-related. Dow-DuPont, the combination of Dow and DuPont, uh, posted their quarterly profits on Thursday, so it was a little late in the week last week, um, down 28% year over year. Um, they said that the flooding has s- slowed everything down. They have seen uh, terrible disruptions in uh, in transportation due to railroads being washed out. And basically everything has kind of worked against them. And they're now in the process of spinning off three separate companies from that Dow-DuPont combination. The one we're going to talk about the most is the ag sciences company, Corteva, but there will also be Dow and DuPont. So all three will be separate companies, I believe, later this year that is going to be completed. Mm. Okay. I think that that's been something that's been in the works for a little while, too. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Just from talking to people over there, it's confusing as far as, like, even just, like, on basic things like, what should our email uh, handle be? Oh, sure. Yeah, I, I, everything has to change. Yeah. Or maybe not change if they keep them as separate companies. Well, yeah, but it's going to have to be Corteva. I suppose that's I'm true. Yeah, yeah, I that's suppose. Their new, that's their new company. Okay. I noticed they've got all the signs up there. So for listeners who aren't familiar, uh, Delaney works at Iowa Public Television, which is literally in the backyard mm-hmm. of a Pioneer's global headquarters. And um, so for years, it was DuPont Pioneer were all the signs. Mm-hmm. And I was by there last week, maybe a week before. And uh, everything is switched over to Corteva. And that was just kind of jarring to see. The place I'd you know, grown up known was Pioneer, DuPont Pioneer. Now it's Corteva. And, you know, progress, progress, progresses, I suppose. I don't love the name Corteva, but not my choice. It'll grow on you. I hope so. I got a feeling by this point in the game, it's probably pretty tough to find a new brand yeah. name. Yeah, I suppose you're probably right. And look at all those uh, medical mm-hmm. pills and stuff. Mm-hmm. More yeah. X's and Y's in any kind of medication than there is in uh, <laughs> you know, anywhere else. Yeah. Well, speaking of what's going on in the agronomic industry, the EPA starting today is going to be taking comments on a pair of issues related to Mike, what chemical do you think? Oh boy, I'm gonna guess we are back in the dicamba circus. Nope, we're in the glyphosate oh. circus. Oh, we're going way back in time. We're going back yeah. to 1994, everybody. <laughs> well, Throwback because of all of the issues and challenges being made in the court systems, they are opening up two separate comment periods 
The first one here is a 60-day comment period on a proposed registration decision that includes some new restrictions on how to use the glyphosate, which we already kind of have talked about on the podcast. The other one is a 30-day commenting period on a petition from organic food companies and the environmental working group to restrict the use of glyphosate herbicide and setting a lower safe limit for the herbicide on oat crops and to then ban it on pre-harvest applications on oats. So Hmm. two separate issues here, but opening it up to public comments. So it sounds like that restricted use or um, changes to application for glyphosate that we've talked about before maybe is not set in stone yet. They're opening it up for public comment, and I assume from there they will issue a decision. Uh, from there, yeah, they'll they'll go back into their rulemaking process yeah. and eventually promulgate some kind of change if it's warranted, or they'll just keep them the same depending on, I guess, whatever they decide, whatever the comments mm-hmm. say. I mm-hmm. imagine. Yep, I think so. So, folks, if you've got if you've got a dog in this fight, if uh, you're passionate one way or the other, just Google up EPA yes. comment site, and it'll take you right to it. And then you just got to find uh, the ones relating to glyphosate, and you can write until your fingers bleed. Whatever your <laughs> thoughts are on glyphosate, there are lots of public commenting. Um, options though, so good luck sorting through it. Yeah, yeah, they're slow and they're not uh, super helpful. They're yeah. at the government. Yeah, well, what do you expect? I suppose. I suppose so, Delaney. I tell you what, I'm all out of news though on this Monday, other than just these bullock markets yes. that we're probably gonna have to talk about with Naomi. Uh, do you have any other news for us? I just have one other quick tidbit here as we're talking about President Trump tweeting and trade and whatnot. Um, we saw President Trump make some comments on Friday after an hour-long conversation with Russian President Vladimir Putin. He said, we intend to do a lot of trade with Russia. We do some right now. It's up a little bit, but he'd like to do trade and we'd like to do trade. So I don't know. Maybe there's a new market opening there. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Fingers crossed. You know, any, Anything is good. I'm not mm-hmm. terribly excited. Russia is, of course, the uh, the breadbasket of Europe. Um, Ukraine, but they're not uh, not on great terms with the Ukraine. So yeah. maybe there is some opportunity there. Maybe. All right, folks. Well, we are going to get into our hashtag Market Monday conversation with our good friend Naomi Bloom after I read these markets. And our markets are brought to us by our great friends at the Zaner Group. Remember, you can get in touch with them. You want to be prepared. You want to be covered for days like today that can kind of scare your pants off. You wake up and check the markets. Give them a shout. It's what they do at Zaner. Reach them at 312-277-0050 or visit them on the web at Zaner, Z-A-N-E-R.com and tell them you heard it on Ag News Daily. And it's an ugly day for grain sellers today. Looking at the corn market, July down six and three quarter cents at three sixty four even. The December down five and three quarters to close at five, excuse me, down five and three quarters to close at three eighty two even. And soybeans were the big loser on the day. The July contract down twelve cents. It finished at eight thirty and a quarter, with the November down eleven and a quarter, dropping all the way to eight fifty three even. Chicago wheat lost a little bit on the day. The May contract down three cents at four twenty five even. The July down a penny, finishing at 437 even. Livestock couldn't even find any buyers, even with cheap grain on the market in the live cattle complex. June up, or excuse me, golly, gosh, it is not up. It is down $1.15 at 112.27.5. The August down 75 at 108.40. In feeder cattle, the August contract down $2.25 to close at 144.35. The September down $1.60, finishing at 145.55. And lean hogs, as I mentioned, ugly day in the hog pits. May 
May, the very front month contract didn't finish, limit down, closed down $2.97 at 82.37.50. June and July both limit down daily $3 trading limit of $3. June closed at 89.75. Without further ado, let's dig into these numbers and what all we can determine is maybe relatable to the tweet storm over the weekend with our good friend, Naomi Blue. Well, for today's Market Monday discussion, I'm sorry, folks, we've got to have that discussion. We've got Naomi Bloom to break it down for us. She is the senior analyst, of course, for Stuart Peterson up there in Wisconsin. Naomi, not a great day to talk markets today. No, it was just a hard day all around for for all commodities. Uh, Yesterday afternoon's uh, tweet from President Trump just Mm -hmm. set the overnight markets just slamming lower, but thankfully we were able to finish off of the lows of the day, so that gives us a little bit of hope, but it's going to be a frustrating week and just sitting on pins and needles, I think, overall. And Naomi, when you have days like today, you work with a lot of customers, farmers, producers, end users. What do you say on a day like today when they're calling in? Uh, Try to find the silver lining, but also just have a very empathetic ear um, Mm -hmm. just to hear their frustrations with not only just the trade deal and the lack of it, um, but also when you can't get into the fields, you know, every day that they're not out there, they're just more anxious because they're, you know, feeling like the crop won't um, be a good crop. And, and just to not be able to smell that dirt, uh, I think, is is really affecting everyone as well. Absolutely. I mean, it's, these issues just compound when you pile them on top of one another. And, Naomi, I know we will have the uh, planting progress report out a little bit later today. What are you guys anticipating there at Stewart-Peterson? Yeah, so the market um, pre-report estimates for this afternoon, anywhere between 20 to 25% of the corn is what's expected to be planted. And I would actually agree with that based on producers that I talked to over the past week. You know, people were able to do little bits here and there and on the high ground, but definitely not as far ahead as we should be normally. The 10-year average, we're half planted by now. And so Mm -hmm. we're going to see that delay show up on this afternoon's report. I don't think the market's going to trade it, Two reasons. One, this uh, Trump tariff thing trumps the planning progress, um, but also usually until it's more like Mother's Day. If we're not half planted by Mother's Day, then the market might kind of pick up and and perk up their ears a little bit. So next week, if we're not half planted, then I think you're going to start to see the market respond. Do you think we will follow that trend of getting the markets to perk up by Mother's Day, if we still are having maybe another round of tariffs go into place on Friday or President Trump is still toying around with the tariffs idea? Yeah, that's a good point. Um, it'll maybe be a 50-50 thing. I think okay. the reality is that the, the trade and the tariffs would win first. And we've got a USDA report out on Friday, mm-hmm. a regular monthly supply and demand report. So lost demand is lost demand, and that won't – um, that'll be more important in the short term than a slowdown on planted acres because we don't know for sure what's going to get planted or what isn't going to get planted. So the known factor in the short term will be the trade issues, and that's what the market will likely focus on in the short term. Well, now, Naomi, let's talk about the corn market here. We did see a very ugly day today, uh, You know, July down 6.5, December down 5.5. From a technical perspective, where do we sit? What are you watching as the, the levels of support here as we uh, we grind this thing through? Yeah, so looking at the July contract, so this would be important for those with old crop, uh, last week's low was the 350 area, 351.5. That right now is our support level. We're going to likely see a trading range this week where 350 continues to be our support line. And 
Friday's close finished right up at resistance, and that was 370. So a 20 cent trading range is what's likely for this week. If 350 at all gets taken out, which maybe would happen on Friday with a combination of trade deal, no trade deal, USDA report, then the, unfortunately the downside would be another 30 cents lower from 350. So you're looking at the 325 to 320 level. But let's just hope that we can get a trade deal done before then. Well, and Naomi, I've got a quick follow-up for you. With that being some of the risk out there, is it does it make sense for growers to look at some short-dated options here heading into Friday? It might. That might be a thing to do. Um, or if you're thinking about making the cash sales, make the cash sales. And on the flip side, then you're going to want to consider ways to reown it. So you do need to sit down and think about the risk that's in front of you and what makes the most sense for your farm it's, if, if it's going to be potentially buying some puts for the short term just to get protecting it through the week, or if you're going to make the cash sales, reowning it with a call option strategy. Naomi, what's the strategy then going forward for old crop soybeans that I'm sure some producers are still sitting on at this point? Yeah, um, those beans today, you know, at one point were down 20 some cents and then mm-hmm. had a breakaway gap lower. Um, they are definitely the follower in the complex for right now. And unfortunately, the technical downside, and I don't want to be the bearer of bad news, but with this breakaway gap lower, if we can't get this fixed sooner than later with any kind of fundamental news, the July futures contract, um, quite frankly, points to $8 as the next downside target. Today we got down to eight sixteen and three quarters, and $8 is a big support line on longer-term charts, and so that's the next target to the downside, um, if, unless we can get some positive trade news this week. Oh, boy. And that's uh, that's old crop beans on the July. When you think about the November contract, looking at new crop, where, where do we stand there? We're at 853. What is, let's let's pull out the stops. Let's say Friday's a bad day. What's uh, What would you anticipate to be worst case? Yeah, and, and with the new crop, it's 25 cent increments lower, so mm-hmm. 850 to 825, and ultimately, again, that $8 level. So um, it's, you know, kind of nerve-wracking times, to say the least. Um, we've got to get some traction either with weather or trade deals, and that's all we're waiting on right now, unfortunately. Naomi. It is. And oh, go ahead, Delaney. Uh, no, sorry. Go ahead, Mike. Well, I was going to ask, we're talking about all this bad news, mm-hmm. you know, for the producer side, but Delaney mentioned earlier, you know, you work with end users. And if you're a feedlot, if you're an ethanol plant, this drop in prices, as drastic as it is, is probably fairly welcome news. How aggressive should buyers get here during this week of, of potential volatility ahead of Friday's report? If I were in that situation as an end user, I would buy my needs from now through Harvest and book it because... Um, with the amount of acres that are likely to not get planted because they are still underwater or prevent plant acres um, or just people who are, some I'm hearing are throwing in the towel, and it's it's unfortunate. But with the delayed start that we're having, it puts so much more pressure on the market to have good weather all summer long. And so the market, once we find our bottom here in the short term, we should have a certain sort of a seasonal bounce higher And if a trade deal can get done and if China buys the corn or the corn ethanol that they were talking about, some were thinking that would be a 700 million bushels worth of new demand. Now, if that actually came into effect and we have a late started plant and a not perfect growing season, this market could erupt higher substantially. So it is a delicate tightrope that we're watching of news 
and trade and weather. And, and the biggest thing to remember when we all take a step back, you know, three-quarters of the world's corn is grown in the northern hemisphere, and it's not even in the ground yet. So between hmm. China and the United States, anything that can get done in, in Canada or Europe or even in Ukraine, I mean, three-quarters of the world's corn. So we, we have to weather watch in all of those places all summer as well. The other thing that I hope is maybe kind of a bright spot or could become a bright spot is the funds, especially in the corn markets. We saw them buy back some of those funds. I know they're still historically short, Naomi, but is this a sign that the funds are starting to get out of some of those short positions? Absolutely, Delaney. Um, prior to today's trade, they were. They were getting out and stepping back of, of those short contracts. And so on Friday, the number Kim, was 306,000 contracts. And I think at one time they were short as much as 350,000 contracts. So in the past couple of weeks, they had been backstepping out of those short contracts. So I'll be very curious um, tomorrow morning, we'll get news as far as how much the funds were sellers of today. And we can kind of gauge an, an, uh, like an, an idea of where they are for their short positions, if they're back to expanding their short contracts or not. So I'm very anxious for that number to come out in the morning. But, yeah, prior to today, it looked like they were starting to get out of those mm -hmm. short positions. So we'll see if that trend can continue or not this week. All right. Well, we'll keep an eye on that on the grain side of things. Uh, Naomi, when we look over at the livestock side of things, kind of the, the big headline to me, we talk China, we talk ASF, we mm -hmm. talk pork, hogs limit down all, all but May. Kind of broke off the limit there at the very tail end of the trading session. Um I, I don't see how more tariffs, blah, 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 is going to stop China from demanding pork. Isn't there still some opportunity there in that market? Um, I think that there could be. Um, you know, China had been buying from us in spite of tariffs being there. Um, so the thought, though, then becomes, all right, well, if we can't get this trade deal in place, if they increase the tariffs, then they'll go every place else first to mm. buy, and then they'll still buy something from us because I think they'll need to from that protein standpoint. But now it's more like, oh, great, we're the we're the last kid on the playground to get picked. <laughs> and that's what it kind of feels like. Um, so we have to keep an eye on that, too. But from a domestic demand side, I'm hopeful that once we actually get some better weather, I mean, grilling has been so slow to, to start this year between pork and beef. You know, you go outside in the neighborhoods and, Prior to yesterday, hardly anybody was grilling anything because the weather's been horrible. So hopefully we start to see domestic demand pick up a little bit more. And that'll go back in and affect the beef prices because the box beef values had gone down, the cash beef had gone down because short-term demand just wasn't there. And I think, like I said, once we can get those grills fired up, then we'll see demand kick back in. What about when you look at the demand relationship between ASF and then, of course, the feed needs? We're seeing some people speculate that feed needs are going to go down pretty drastically, like soy meal. But with the U.S. and other countries in Europe ramping up pork production, will that be enough to chew through the, the feed needs that we're not going to see because of ASF in China? Yeah, I've been wondering the same thing. And... Um, I don't know is the, the quick answer. I'm thinking, though, that, you know, if we expand our production here and if other places around the world do as well, yeah, that there'll be new demand from, just like you said, um, other countries increasing production, but will we increase production enough 
to offset the losses that China has had is the question. So something to be watching. I don't think that demand is like forever gone because people have to eat and it's just going to be maybe like a short term, like half a year to a year type of a scenario. Um, but I think that demand will be there. Eventually it'll come back. All right. Naomi, you mentioned we're going to see grilling season get started. People are going to get out there and start buying those uh, those choicer cuts of beef. What kind of strength could that give the market here as you're watching the, let's say the June contract or the August? Can we put a couple more bucks back on this thing? Yeah. So as far as like the, the June fat cattle price goes, um, we finished today on a, on a pretty big support line at the 112 level. That's big support for the June futures. If this can hold, I think we see a technical rebound back up to 116, maybe 117 in the short term, but that needs to happen along with better cash prices, stronger box beef values. Um, but, yeah, I think we see that rebound, and I'm still quite friendly to cattle for third and fourth quarter because we've already been pricing in the reality that second quarter production is is big. It's bigger than you know what people had anticipated, but third and fourth quarter production I think is going to be down. We'll start to actually have a more realistic hand, uh, hand, handful on the death loss that did or did not occur from the flooding in Nebraska and also from the blizzards that were there. And I still think that that beef demand is not going to go away, period. There's just not a substitute for steak. There's not a substitute for hamburger. So I'm very, I'm, fr- I'm friendly yet for third and fourth quarter. All right. So maybe a little longer term. Folks, get those grills out and running. Eat some steak. Yes. Yes. Eat steak. You bet. <laughs> Awesome. Always well, good advice. <laughs> Naomi, thanks so much for chatting markets with us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Well, that's the business, I suppose, is uh, price volatility. When we get into these weird environments that we're in trade-wise, it's always good to have an expert uh, like Naomi around to help uh, shed some light on some things, isn't it, Delaney? Yes, it sounds like we're really just waiting, waiting and seeing until what happens on Friday. Yeah. And, you know, I tell you what, I think she's on the exactly right. I mean, Friday is going to be uh, kind of a a make or break day, especially if we are still hanging out at these levels of support for us. Boy, bad news could be bad news. That could ruin a lot of people's weekends. So, you know, let's think about some risk management here. If you Mm -hmm. can't get into the fields, you got a phone, you can call a broker, you can uh, you can take some steps to hopefully mitigate some risk, but definitely leave yourself some upside in case maybe Friday, maybe we get a change of luck and Friday's a good day. Maybe. Let's hope for it. Well, yeah. Mike, you and I are always tweeting and Facebooking and sharing news that is impacting producers and certainly the markets. Folks, if you want to interact with us on social media, share your news and your thoughts. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at Ag News Daily. You can always interact with us as well on our new home, globalagnetwork.com. Mike, am I forgetting anything else? Just to let them know they should have a great day, Delaney, and we should let All them go. All right, let's let them go. 